Welcome to the Crypto Hopper Crypto Trading Podcast, where we help you become a better trader. Whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro, this podcast is for you. Tune in to hear from industry experts and check out CryptoHopper.com for our world-class automated trading bot. In this episode, our guest is Sadesh Pratap Singh, a crypto trader at Creed and Bear, discussing a day in the life of a trader. Subscribe to stay up to date on the latest crypto trading tips and insights. Let's start. Uh, fire away, man. Uh, I'm more than happy to answer your questions and uh, understand uh, about Crypto Hopper and your perspectives. And, yeah. Yeah. So could you like introduce yourself a bit? Like tell us more about yourself, who you are, what do you do, how you got into crypto, for example. Right. Sure. So my name is Sadej Fitapsing, as you guys already know, 21 years old. Um, started in crypto back in 2020 i used to work in a hedge fund called megma group which was a french hedge fund based in france dubai and uh, the us so over there i initially started as an equities trader while trading equities over there i introduced since it was the family office i introduced the office that why don't we start trading in cryptocurrencies and we already had a very strong quantitative team in Negma, so it was quite easy to replicate our success from equities towards crypto. Uh, we had some proprietary uh, trading where it would be less quantified, more uh, information-based, and then there were certain trades that were based completely on quantitative methods. After that, uh, I was more into crypto and Negma was more focused towards uh, equity so i made a change in my career and moved to creeding bear creeding bear is an as an ai quant based asset manager uh, from switzerland and we currently trade and uh, we 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 manage around 500 million usdt assets under management uh, we do high frequency trading we do market making uh, provide liquidity and try to find arbitrage opportunities as much as possible oh i get it it's uh it's very nice so basically you you started as a hedge fund as an equity trader and then you transfer then you wanted to do to continue with cryptos and then you transfer the, to creed and bear correct and uh, you are uh, yourself are uh, yourself make the software the quantity software or what is your position exactly in the company? So my position in Creed and Bear is a quantitative trader. Mm-hmm. So most people are just, uh, all their positions are basically traders. There's no uh, proper hierarchy, I would say. <laughs> From the head of trading to uh, the CIO, all of us are basically traders, right? Firstly. And secondly, um, there's no like chain of command kind of a thing. If, if anybody has a brilliant idea, we just present it, we go forward with it, we have weekly meetings, stuff like that. And uh, all of us are quantitative traders. All of us use uh, algorithmic trading tools. We use a lot of Python, a lot of Jupyter notebooks for machine learning. Uh, what else can I say? Some amount of technicals of two of our traders. Uh, one is a girl from Thailand and another man from Iran. He, they're both really good technical traders. So they present us with technical opportunities, which... Uh, we implement uh, towards the fund as well and uh, yeah sounds awesome and yeah very exciting to 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 be there every day and to trade alongside the 
other traders and other people who right. know what they're doing. Right. No, definitely. Definitely. Uh, to be honest, I have learned so much from my peers. I'll be very honest. Uh, in terms of, because initially, even when I was working in equities, right, my knowledge in terms of technical analysis and stuff like that was always very weak. Uh, I graduated as a finance major and I was more towards fundamentals and more towards, uh, uh, my approach was very data-driven always. Uh, I was not a chartist per se, I'll be very honest. Uh, I, I always had a quantitative data-driven approach or a fundamental approach. I never had a technical approach per se, but I learned a lot of technical analysis from them. Initially, I believe it doesn't work to be very honest, but as I keep seeing their success, I learned a few things from them, which I think personally that do work pretty well. Uh, certain things because the issue that I've seen in the technical analysis side and they've told me as well is that it's a lot of indicators are very lagging you see and because of these lagging indicators you're not able to um, identify opportunities but these guys implement uh, multiple indicators together and use their own experience and they're able to see from charts, uh, what's happening in the market. So it's pretty interesting, no doubt. Uh, but me personally, I'm more towards uh, fundamentals or quantitative, very little technical. I've learned so much from them. I'm very thankful. Sorry. It's and great yeah. to have such a diverse team where you can all learn from each other and... Correct. Yeah. Because they have learned so much from me in terms of fundamental knowledge, how does CPI work, how does PPI work, how does... So we're in such a macroeconomic environment right now. And we have such a strong positive correlation coefficient with the uh, QQQ100 index yeah. and the S&P 500. Yeah, I've noticed that, especially lately. Before it wasn't as much, but when Bitcoin is down, QQQ will always open lower. And when Bitcoin is doing well, QQQ always opens higher and has an amazing day. Yeah, so we... we, we see this is this is where i excel right in finding correlation coefficients we started finding these i started finding this personally back in january february regions and that's when i started doing analysis on correlation coefficients on co-integration and on developing a bayesian regression model uh and that is where a lot of my time goes as well uh to understand data in a way where, you know, you're able to use that particular data and enhance from there in terms of predicting or having probabilities to see where the market may head. Mm -hmm. Sounds very interesting. And do you always employ high frequency trading with quantitative and technical analysis? Or do you apply technical indicators to longer time frames like the four hour chart in order to make swing trades? Correct. So we have certain swing trades that, so some information is discretionary. I cannot disclose, yeah, of course. but I can say, I can, yeah. So, but I can say that certain trades for us can last in futures and Binance futures can last all the way from when Bitcoin was at $55,000. We have certain trades that are open on shorts from that time till date, which are very profitable, very great. Uh, and I can imagine. Yeah, so we do take certain swing trades that we have high conviction and we notice the probability is higher. So the aim is always to work 
in our matter of EV, which is expected value and probability. If we see high probability, high expected value on a trade, we always go for a longer term. Yeah, so what is important after all is profitability and it doesn't really matter for you if you are trading short term or long term. What matters is that it works out in the end. Because in general, I think there are many trading styles and there are many ways to make money in the crypto market. You just have to find the right one that works for you. And in your case specifically, it is the fundamentals as you're great with that. So how does your day look like as a trader? Okay, uh, first things first, step into the office, get some coffee or tea or something. <laughs> and uh, we have a morning meeting. In the morning meeting, we discuss every day. Every day, there's a morning meeting between the traders only between the traders and head of trading. And in that meeting, we discuss uh, possible black swans that can occur. The current black swan that's occurring, as we see, is FTX versus Binance. And uh, it's been interesting. So we discuss possible uh, black swans. We're currently in discussion for tomorrow's CPI as well. Uh, where we're discussing the U.S. elections as well. So discussions, basically, anything that can impact the markets in a way where it can have a high volatility period. So sometimes we choose to not trade during these high volatility periods. It's uh, in terms of our HFT algo. We prefer to stay out during these times. And once we feel that it is calmer, our algo is then restarted and then we go back to trade. Oh, and then you decide all of this usually in the morning meetings. Always, always. And if it's an emergency, if it's an emergency, I mean, we have WhatsApp groups, which always communicate on them, but uh, normally morning meetings and uh, they last anywhere from 15 minutes to 20 minutes. Very short, very quick, very straightforward to the point. Yeah, For, uh, short and efficient, short, short and sweet. Correct. And after Correct. your morning meetings, what is your program afterwards? Do you go to your So after that, we all go to, yep. Kind of, yeah, we all go to our desk. Uh, we all start working on our strategies. Everybody's working on a strategy. Some people work in teams, some people work alone. Uh, and we all keep on implementing our strategies, backtesting our strategies to see if they work. Um, every Wednesday or Thursday, we have another meeting, which is with the CIO, the CEO, and uh, the main people, basically if we found a profitable strategy that we want to implement. So a lot of the time goes into backtesting or theorizing what can and what cannot work. So initially, you're just blankly looking at data for the first hour. And then you start scratching your head towards, okay, how can I do this? Okay, maybe this works. And then we uh, transfer all of that to Python. And then we take it in Jupyter. We look at data in a way where we can clean data. Okay, data looks good. Once that's done, okay, this may work. Once you think, okay, it's giving some probability, then we're going towards backtesting it. Then we start taking historical data, backtest the whole thing. And then, okay, backtest is good. This is good. Let's try to front run it a little bit. Does it have any biases? Does it, are we, am I curve fitting? So I, I, I would ask somebody else as well that, uh, to check my strategy. Because a lot of the times we as traders, we curve fit just yeah. to make the strategy work. We, you know, keep changing it, tweaking it little by little. Once you start doing that, uh, it, it means your strategy actually doesn't work, but you're trying your best to make it work. When you're trying that hard to make something work, it probably doesn't work in the long term. 
And that's not a strategy that you want to go for. Uh, that's one advice that I would give to people as well, because I wasted two months on a strategy like that. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, these things happen all the time. So usually when you find a good strategy, it's, it at least works all right from the beginning and then you optimize it into something great. But if it doesn't work in the beginning, you shouldn't like try to spend all the time in the world to optimize it because it's probably just a bad idea in the first place. Mm, you should go for it. I wouldn't say it's, it's trash from the beginning. I mean, you should go for it, but always have somebody else who you believe is smarter than you or who you know, have a look at it as well. And try to be uh, very less defensive and more um, open to criticism. That if it doesn't work, he's going to be honest with you and tell you, this does not work. And you are also probably doing some logical analysis. As in, if you see a strategy that looks too good to be true, you are probably asking yourself, hmm, does this really work? Or did I just curve fit everything? Correct. So, so we... I had a strategy with, it was a technical strategy. And as I told you, I'm not that good at technical already. So it was a technical strategy that was making 400% on an HFT. Uh, in how long? In, let's suppose, seven months. Oh, my. So, so I started, so I got other people into it. And it was basically, since it's a failed strategy, I can talk about it. It didn't work in the end of the day. It was with pivot points and it uses daily, weekly, pivot points and it causes swing trades to happen constantly and uh, it has buffers on the top and bottoms of the pivots as well based on calculations that i did on the back test and i believe in my calculations i may have curved it a little bit <laughs> due to which uh, it may not work. so my point is that sometimes honestly speaking working with other people is a blessing because you have to always understand Nobody's an ultimate genius. We all require somebody to always remind us that, okay, is this working or not working? Because a lot of, something we've noticed a lot of the time is that we as traders become a bit egotistical with our, or cocky. And which is why I always encourage a lot of teamwork because we think we know everything, but then we uh, fail to understand or take criticism very well. Because we think, oh, this guy may be jealous, oh, this guy may be X, Y, Z. But in reality, they're just trying to help you. So always try to be open-minded. Always try to be mm, looking at it in a probability perspective, in a mathematical perspective. I think that helps the most, I think, when you look at things in a mathematical perspective. That is why I always tell everybody, if you have a strategy, run it through the data, run it through a back test, run it through everything you can to give you mathematical data or any data that can call, you can confidently say, okay, this works. Don't just, you know, shoot words in there. <laughs> no, that's not a good idea. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you're, I don't know what your audience is or who are the people who are going to listen to it, but uh, yeah. No, so basically we at uh, CryptoHopper, we are, uh, uh, we basically make automated trading easier for people who have no idea how to code, who, don't have any knowledge of coding. You are obvious. You obviously know how to code Python and correct. Yeah, you obviously have coding knowledge. But there are a lot of people out there that uh, that may, may be uh, good traders or they may have to trade manually, but they have no idea how they would uh, code that strategy and how they would automate it. And that's where we come in. We provide a platform where people can uh, easily automate their strategies without uh, without coding. So we have. That's really cool. 
yeah, very cool. a lot of uh, traders that are great trading, but not so great in coding. So it's great to hear from somebody that also has a knowledge in, in coding himself. Right. Right. No, I would honestly advise, I don't know, it depends on the age of your viewers or listeners, but I would honestly advise all of you, if you want to get into trading, study finance uh, or financial engineering with uh, with computer science. I believe these two combinations work so beautifully if you want to become a trader. I only studied finance. I had to learn Python and everything else myself on my own. And uh, it was very difficult for me because uh, initially I didn't understand anything. But then as I kept doing it within two, three weeks, uh, it became quite easy to be very honest. Python is such an easy language. <clears throat> it looks intimidating at first, but uh, once you get the hang of it, and once you start doing basic tasks very easily, then everything else makes sense, to be very honest. Yeah, I had uh, I had the same as you, I, I uh, but... Uh, I, I knew how to trade based on technical analysis, but I did, but I had to learn Python in order to backtest and optimize strategies uh, better, and to be able, you know, to trade uh, automatically on my own to make my own software. To, I made my own backtest backtester as well. And by the way, talking about backtesting, how how long is the data that you backtest uh, on? For example, for Bitcoin. Oh, backtest. We try to do a backtest every six months and we try to refresh because we notice that Bitcoin or crypto as an asset is so is so volatile that you cannot backtest it like, for example, the S&P 500 that's been around for so many years. Mm-hmm. Or you cannot backtest it like, for example, something like the composite that's been around <laughs> for... Yeah, exactly. So all of these composites and ETFs, you can backtest them. In a very long portion, personal way. But when it comes to BTC, it's a bit different. When it comes to BTC, we try to backtest it within its cycles. For example, if BTC as a cycle has had a bull run, so we'll backtest the entire bull run. If it has a bear rally, we backtest the bear rally, ignoring the price of the coin and rather looking at the percentage change between data. Because back then, the price of BTC was, what, 8000 7000 compared to now, where the bottom people think is 20000 I don't know. Nobody knows. But, yeah. So, I mean, they're all perspectives. Sometimes, don't look at the price directly. Look at percentage change. Look at volume back then. How much volume was actually being used, comparatively speaking, now. Look at black swan events that may have triggered or may have affected prices. Don't just blatantly look at data that oh this was the price x is this y is this we're done no look at all the little details that go with it why did these big huge volumes happen can you explain them is there data behind it is there some fundamental behind it so you have to focus on these things a lot and try to be very articulate when and going through data that is very important i feel I understand. It's uh, yeah, it's very interesting. So you don't, for example, look from all the data from 2015 until the present. You just uh, go and look at a specific period. We look at periods and cycles, and then we just keep saving that backtest data, and then we keep using the same backtest data over and over because we've done analysis on that data and we have cleaned that data to the point where we know its actual authenticity. 
rather than just the uh, price was X, now price is Y equals this. No, you look at it in a much more deeper perspective. And That's why cleaning you, data takes a lot of time. How do you actually deal with the fact that sometimes exchanges uh, change data? I, Correct. I, you've probably noticed what exchanges sometimes uh, uh, change th their data to, to make it look that they're not as volatile. For example, like there were cases of a coin making big moves where it was clearly mm -hmm. manipulated by outside people. And then they Correct. exchange deleted all that data. Correct. Which is why, which is actually uh, a small reason as to why we take the six month thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a lot of backtest even on that as to why we chose six months. <laughs> so uh, six months, uh, six to eight months is, is a good time to check data for every time you're doing a backtest. Uh, because if you're checking it outside, it's extreme. Uh, I don't, let me think how to explain this properly. Imagine a diagram where, you know, it has two tails and the middle is going up. So ignore the tail and only look at the data in the middle. That's my point. I, 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 if I could draw the diagram, I could probably show it to you in a better way. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. And in general, what are some uh, do's and don'ts for 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 you to a beginner trader? Um, that's a tough one. Since I started in equities, it was a bit different because I was focused on a lot of fundamentals and data, stuff like that. It depends on what asset class they're going in, right? For cryptos, generally, if you want to get into trading, uh, uh, like with any other trading, start with some paper money. TradingView does it for free very well. TradingView is very good. We all use TradingView even in our company, so you can understand how strong TradingView is as a software itself. First of all, uh, second of all, try using TradingView a lot. Uh, do some testing on that. Figure out a strategy that you think or believe works. Once you understand that, keep doing it constantly. And if it stops working, go back to if you've made any changes and see why it stopped working. Once you keep doing this consistently, as far as we understand, is two things are very, very extremely important. One is consistency. And consistency only comes with how you allocate your risk. I believe most of your traders are retail. Yeah. If you are from the retail sector, yep. So if you're from the retail sector, for example, not just at the firm, I trade myself as well on my phone or on my PC or stuff like that with my own personal funds. So I'll take answer this from a non-institutional perspective as another retail trader. So manage your risk very well. Uh, only trade as much money as you're willing to lose. And uh, always have, I wouldn't say put a stop loss. I never put a stop loss personally in my own trades. Mm -hmm. I never have stop losses. But have a dynamic stop loss in your mind. That the appetite of risk you can take is this much. If it reaches this stage, I'm out. This is too much for me. I can't take it anymore. Or probably my theory was wrong. My uh, strategy was wrong. And I shouldn't have done this. Always have a dynamic stop loss in place. Uh, and try to be consistent. Try to have... Uh, try to have a consistency. And as we're talking about consistency, because, you know, in trading, whatever you do, no matter how good you are, you can't always win 100%. Of course. Of, of course. It's, it's a 7 out of 10 thing there. You win seven times, that's good enough. Always use the same amount of margin in each trade. Always use the same amount of leverage. 
don't please do not go high leverage i thrill everybody this was retail or who's new to trading there's a trick to using high leverage uh, a lot of these people they go very low margin with 125x 120x oh, margin uh, leverage uh, yeah yeah it's gambling it's then. so this this is what i'm trying to say right don't gamble there is a difference between gambling and trading understand the difference if you want to be in this in this in this profession for a very long term and you don't want to burn out i would suggest everybody to have proper risk management that is so important risk management is your leverage is always predefined it's never too high your risk is predefined it is never too high you are trading with money that even if you sleep at you're able to sleep peacefully at night your size is not large or beyond large that you have sleepless nights. <clears throat> These little, little things will help retail traders become better traders, to be very honest. And if they want to get into institutional trading, start studying computer science, start studying your Python, start studying machine learning, start studying fundamentals, start reading how to do financial analysis and data. And that's when you can step into the institutional side of things. Very, very yep. interesting. And for example, like what's uh, in a year, what's uh, or in general, what's the maximum drawdown you would uh, you would allow yourself to have on your on your personal account or at your institution? Like institution is different. Personal is different. Uh, for example, um, okay, for personal account, I don't uh, let any trade go against me more than twenty percent. Mm -hmm. That's my personal max risk. That. If it's going against me more than 20%, and I, and I don't go big leverage, sorry, big. Uh, so I always use maybe 2x or 3x leverage only, maximum. And uh, I never let the trade go more than 20%. If it's gone more than 20%, I'm probably wrong. Yeah, it's, so, uh, it makes perfect sense. And so 20% is my cutoff. Uh, and if you're high leverage, then 20% will become in seconds it will come in seconds it will go in seconds yeah but so uh, X, it shouldn't go that bad it shouldn't go you're trading ftt and, and yeah today correct so 20 percent is my highest uh i i have the ability to tra hold trades for a very long period of time uh i try to not close any trades in in a loss per se i have trades which i have held on for two three months which have turned out to be profitable um which were initially losing. Uh, I also imply a strategy where uh, I call it stab and poke. So stab and poke works in a way where you don't go all in on a trade each time. You go uh, certain percentages of equity. So partial for example, entries. partial partial entries. Yeah. So let's suppose you entered a short for Bitcoin at twenty thousand five hundred. Price goes to twenty one thousand. So you add one percent equity again. You got 1% equity, 1% equity constantly as the price keeps going against you. Because you understand that the end move, according to your data or your analysis, is down. So that's where you're trying to but have partial entries. In very short bursts. Correct. And in very, like, like pokes. You're poking it, basically. Yeah. With a small needle. Something like that, yeah. Again, that has to do with risk management. My entire futures account, 1%, 1%, 1%, constantly.
So you're constantly buying more and more when it goes down, but you also do the opposite. So when it goes up, for example, let's say you buy Bitcoin at $20,000, do you sell 1% when the price starts going in your favor? So for example, sell 1% at 20,500, then 1% at 21,000 and so on. Or do you just sell everything at once? Kind of like, kind of like that. No, I don't sell everything. It's just kind of like that, but it's more towards like 25%. Yeah. So 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%, you start taking profit slowly and slowly. Because in the end of the day, always remember, nobody's a wizard here. Nobody knows where the market is actually going. We all trade based on probability. We all trade based on data and consider probabilities always. Um, you can have coincidence where your analysis is amazingly accurate, but trust me, on a longer time frame. Try to use your analysis on one year worth of data and you will see it's never always consistent. So if you have a eureka moment where you feel, oh my God, I'm an amazing trader, always look at it in a more humble perspective, I would say. Yeah, it can also happen that you're just unlucky. For example, you have correctly identified the bottom and then a news comes that you could not have foreseen and crashes your coin. A lot of the times. The bottom and somebody announces the news and your coin drops because on your news that you could not have foreseen. Correct. So a lot of the times you, a lot of hedge fund managers and a lot of hedge funds, when you present strategies to them, and this is, I'm talking, this I'm talking on the, on the institutional level, what they try to understand is, are you just lucky or do you have a real strategy? And this is a very big key core question that a lot of smart hedge fund managers ask directly. If your strategy is purely luck, or are you actually with something good? Because if you actually have something good, there's a lot of money in the world ready to be deployed behind your strategy once you meet the right people. But most people just try to see if it's just luck or is it really a good strategy? Always have a strategy. If it's a good strategy, most of the time, it's going to be very easy to explain. Is going to be straightforward or you're going to be able to even if it's complex you're going to be able to explain it in a very simple way that even somebody who doesn't know python or xyz will be able to understand it absolutely because you have probably initially thought of it in a simple way and then you correct more complex and then yeah correct correct so that development phase correct so that development phase of the strategy it starts out simple then it becomes complex 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 if because you have gone through that, you are able to explain it to anybody in a very easy manner who at least has some financial data or, you know, has some experience in trading, at least. I'm not saying you're going to be able to explain it to a child or, yeah. or a mom or a mom or dad. My perspective was like, since because your viewership is retail, so I'm just saying. It's not like you guys can explain it to your mothers or fathers, but you should be able to explain it to somebody who is a trader in a very Unless easy way. Unless your father is also a trader. Yes, of course. I mean, definitely. Definitely. The probability exists. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, I think this was this was it. Uh, it was yeah a pleasure to have you here with us uh, today. Isabel. Perfect. Uh, thank you Perfect. very much for joining our podcast. It uh, It was... Uh, really insightful and we learned a lot from you and yeah i hope our users are just as happy hearing you as we were today thank you so much and it was very 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 good to be here uh i hope i was able to add value towards your podcast and hopefully uh it goes well thank you so much for having me